Engage quantum drive. Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob, and Katie will be joining me in just a moment for today's episode. We had the pleasure of chatting with Peter Macon, who plays Bordas on the Orville. We talked to Peter about developing how Mocklins speak and act, tackling those emotional scenes in season three, and much more. Before we jump into the interview, just a reminder that you can support the production of this show by becoming a backer on Patreon. At the $5 level, you'll get instant access to over 25 hours of exclusive podcasts, including Mark's alternate one-sentence reviews, as well as new bonus content in the future. You can become a backer by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. With that, here's our conversation with Peter Macon. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Doing great. How are you? Pretty good. You're good, just multitasking as per usual. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> That's life sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like the days of I'll have a meeting outside of my home. Miss those days. <laughs> yeah. Should we dive in? Yeah, we should do it while the while the getting is good. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you go watch TV over here. You go watch TV over here, <laughs> and like you know, carve out some time, but. Uh, yeah, 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 let's get it. Well, I have to say, Bordis is one of my favorite characters from the show, and I absolutely love the way you've portrayed him. So, how did you find out about the part of Bordis, and what gave you inspiration on how to play a Mocklin? Well, I found out actually, oddly enough, I was at a party and I got a text message from Seth MacFarlane, and I'm like, I don't remember giving you my phone number, buddy. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was it was pretty great, and that's just an testament to just how personable he is. Yeah, because, you know, I, I had another job and my manager was like, you should have a look at this. And I'm like, yeah, I have a job already. Do you know how hard it is for actors to have jobs? You want me to try to risk losing? He's like, no, trust me. And loved the material, went in, read, then did a test. And, you know, he gave me a great note, which was sort of the beginning of understanding how to play this character. The scene was, I think, the very... Might have been the very, but might have been the pilot. I'm sure it was a pilot that, um, you know, Bordis says to Captain Mercer that, you know, I need three weeks off to lay an egg. <laughs> and <laughs> the joke was, you lay eggs, and I'm like, yes. And he's like, are they are they large eggs? And I'm like, they are quite large, yes. And in the audition, I thought I wanted to comment on the size of the egg, just like I guess a woman would comment on giving birth but because we're all wondering where does the egg come out of and <laughs> so he was like it's funnier if you just say it deadpan straight up you know like this is factual information and let not peter comment on try to make a funny and so that was like i was like oh okay so that's it's collective ensemble humor right so like my note is like the bass cello note in the symphony of tomfoolery and, you know, I had a, a deep, long look at Eeyore and Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. And nice. I'm like, if you guys had a love child, <laughs> it would probably be Borders. <laughs> you know, so, That's great. Um, yeah. So it just gave me a lot of insight into like a little bit of Stephen Wright, the really dry, dry comic. And he's not aware of trying to be funny. You know what I mean? And that's why it's funny. Right. So like if I'm if I present as aware 
of what the joke is and it sort of steps on the joke. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. comedy is very, very technical and my voice is still trash from Comic-Con. Like I'm just like talking all day long, <laughs> which is great, but I sound like a crackhead. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if I can sound like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was very helpful and it was helpful to have the prosthetics create a, a parentheses. So it's like very limited physically. So, you know, Sam the Eagle is very, you know, it's like he turns with his whole shoulders. And so that helped a lot to find the funny. And then, you know, you, you put a cowboy hat on or have a milk mustache or the jokes are just endless so yeah that's kind of how it came about and for the five years we were filming um <laughs> it, it, it just con- continued to uh to explore within those parameters yeah so it's, it's, it was really cool and I, I mean i studied in grad school i had two years of uh intense clown training and that was also very helpful and then like i've done i think i want to say just slightly over half of Shakespeare's canon. So handling language is uh, kind of in my toolbox too. So, you know, all of those things go into creating this identity of other, right? And, you know, a lot of imagination. I tell people that, you know, what my clown professor was like, without the possibility of tragedy, comedy can't exist. So although it is funny that Mocklin's only urinate once a year, I'm like, what happens if they don't? And I'm like, well, it has to be life or death. If he doesn't do it, I think some chemical reaction happens. This is what I put together in my head. Some chemical reaction happens where like there's this buildup of whatever, and then his insides liquefy and he suffocates on his own innards. So it had to be that. And then it's funnier that way if it's more specific. So yeah, like just that kind of imagination work. Cause it's, you know, like, you know, the idea of, playing a bipedal alien, I mean, it's already a hard sell. So to three-dimensionalize it as much as possible was sort of my my workload. You know, so and at the same time, you know, when we're in space battles and the ship is getting rocked and we're losing our deflectors and all this stuff, in the back of Bordas's mind is the fact that his mate and child are on the ship. So again, it's like this duality of conflict. It's like the micro, macro, like the present and like the stuff that that's not really known what he's thinking about, which I think helps to three-dimensionalize the work. And when I'm at my station, um, I've, I've assigned, so I'm not just like randomly pushing buttons. There's things that do certain things, even though it's all static for the most part, there's some things that blips and moves like the numbers count. And, but, but, you know, there's like, I'm always imagining that I'm calibrating constantly. Cause I'm like, what does it take to fly a spaceship? You know what I mean? It's not, there's no joystick. You know what I mean? It's not like a plane, yeah. but there's like the multiple departments having to work in concert and everything's changing. It's all math and it's all this stuff. So, you know, I also understood that English is probably definitely not his first language. So there's a formality to the writing. I mean, that's much to um, Seth's credit, but he, you know, doesn't conjugate his, his voice. He doesn't, he doesn't say don't and, and won't. He says do not and will not. You know what I mean? Like it's a very mm-hmm. formal approach to the language. So that helped a, a, a great deal too, to, to have those things in the toolbox to work with. I don't know. I can go on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a perfect segue because one of my other questions was about when you're playing within that range and that parameter that you've set and defined as being Mocklin. Right. You've had so many emotional scenes this season. How difficult is it to stick within those parameters and still push that emotional range? That's a good question because I feel like the more you're exposed to 
conflicting emotions and eventually they come out. Like I thought that I was like, well, his tongue should be black. I was like, I was just trying to do things to get him to look not like there's a human underneath the mask. And that's like, well, when, when they cry, if they cry, because, you know, they, they're hairless and, you know, I don't know if their tear ducts work the same way, but at some point you got to let some of that go for the sake of trying to play the truth of the scene. And human beings are watching this, not Mocklins. So we have to cater to that a little bit. I pushed back as much as I could, but there's only so much you can do. And then it was the assignment of perhaps like a, a lot of this is, it's all very new, right? So there's a stoicism that gets challenged because the circumstances are challenging, right? So, and so I, I stayed within the parameters that I mentioned in terms of stillness and, you know, really listening and processing kind of on the spot. And, you know, like I think it was a totally new thing for Bordas and Clyden to be in therapy. Like what, like, so it's like, but you know, like the truth of the scene is there's a disconnect and the administering or like the playing of the scene is that it's new information to sit down and talk about your feelings with your mate in this, you know, which I don't think it's, too far fetched from what couples have to go through mm. today now in our world. So, so there's a sort of foreignness to the, like a foreignness to the experience of trying to figure it out. Right. And as long as I'm truthful in that and with all of the characteristics and the, the sort of idiosyncrasies that, you know, I've built, you just got to kind of let it, let the scene do what it's going to do. And working with Chad and Imani who are great actors in their own right. And so it's, it just, it's easy because we're all kind of on the same page, just trying to figure it out. We would typically have like a few minutes of rehearsal, you know, and it's also preparation. You know what I mean? Like I learned my lines so much that I'm not thinking about them and I'm just listening to what my scene partners are saying and based in the writing is good. So I, how I respond is based on what they're saying. You know, like I'm not waiting for my turn to talk. I'm just really invested in, in what they're saying. And so you're just processing kind of on the spot. So like 90% of what we do is listening. And it was always challenging. Yeah, I never, mm -hmm. I never, I can't say that I figured it out ever because it was always situational different. You know what I mean? It was always different things required. So just have to keep digging deep and using imagination and using this being a good listener and being grounded. I mean, I think that's a joy of playing a character for so long. You really just, you live in it and it keeps unveiling itself circumstantially. So that's the great stew of character and character work and great, great writing, mm -hmm. specific writing. And there are some things that would happen, like the selfie moment, you know, I was like, Mocklins don't smile. So you're not even, you know, aware that, that you have or that you don't have, and you have to kind of do your best. And, and that makes for funny. But then it's like a lot of it lives with the dramatic stuff. A lot of it lives in my eyes and just trying to, you know, really communicate from a limited place, a lot of conflicting emotions, you know, like when Clyden comes back, mm -hmm. there's like a, it's a whole lot going on. And I don't think a lot of it made it into the final cut because I know that they were cutting, you know, they had like this long shot of me just in profile listening to what. Topa and Clyden were saying on the bed. And I was sad that that was gone, but you know, you can't have it all. So, and I understand that, but 
there was that work that was going on where even just when Clyde is like, may I speak with her? And the way that I turn and open myself, it's almost like, so like I'm, he's in directly in front of me and Topa's over here and he's like, can I speak with her? And I just open that way. So some of my shoulders and not look at him, it's all very intentional, but like, mm. but that's because it can't, he's just like, you, you, I haven't seen, you know what I mean? All that is real. So I'm just like, absorbing all that and taking that in and, I, and like your body just kind of leads the way and i thought it was um it was work that addresses directly what you're asking me about how do you play these emotional qualities when you're not like an on the surface emotional character right so i had to be true to to those things as well so i mean and it was great it worked for me and I think it worked for Chad. I mean, if like my professors and actors that I respect that I've worked with, they ask, you know, they say, if you want to find out if you had a, a good performance, ask your scene partners how their performance went. And if they're like, well, I didn't really, wasn't really feeling it or wasn't really connecting, then that's partially on you as their scene partner. So I'm really happy with how it turned out. And yeah, it was a lot of mining, emotional, like new territory. Because, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, this guy's, Ortis is kind of a misfit. He's not a conformist, obviously, because he's working on an exploration vessel. He's not rooted in tradition. And Clyden kind of is. I think it's it's also very odd for to have his mate and his child on the ship. But like that's like there's no comparison. Like, well, submarines and what is it, the giant aircraft carriers and you know, long sort of long-term or even astronauts like the, who do long missions, their family's not present. So there's like a conflict right there. People are going to hook up on the ship. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. But like <laughs> <laughs> when, when you have your family there. So that presents an interesting and very specific set of circumstances that we've not really seen. So to try to make that actionable, it's all great stuff to have to play against. So never was bored. I'm always had something to do, something to think about, something to try to work out. And I think that that's what, you know, it's my, it's, it's my job is to try to three-dimensionalize a made-up character. And so when other people would come on to play Mocklins, it was odd because I know that they used me as a template, but the things that Bordas is experiencing vastly different than any other Mocklin, other than like, say, Avina that comes on and obviously Topa. I mean, but it's like, the sort of background of Mockless is a very black and white, you know, but I was also very, I was like, we can't pigeonhole these guys because at the end of the day, if it is about coexistence with other species, like the barometer can't swing always in the favor of human morality, mm -hmm. right? I mean, because otherwise that's boring and it's not necessarily fair or truthful that like, we're not all going to get along because we're different and we have to honor those differences, right? Mm -hmm. I think. Conflict makes for good TV sure. or good, good storytelling. So, yeah, I think we only have time for a couple more questions, but I did want to ask you because your okay. performance in the show is incredible. And even your like micro movements, they come across. Thank you. What kind of impact do you hope you'll leave behind by sharing yourself and your acting with the world? Man, that is a great question. And that's, I mean, it kind of answers itself. I just want to be useful and be inspiring and be inspired to keep the bar but a level of in this age of YouTube fame, which not knocking per se, but I come from a long line of theater actors, people who care about the craft of storytelling and not necessarily the fame that comes along with it. In fact, fame 
it's hard work and it's annoying. And I'm glad that I have like an anonymity with a lot of the work that I do. But yeah, I, I just want to, you know, I mean, I feel like sometimes I have a hard time wondering about the level of importance that entertainers have in the grand scope of the world. And I think that if I'm able to tap into being a conduit and just, I think that's one of the coolest things about my job is that I get to walk more than a mile in lots of different shoes. And my job is to do that non-judgmentally and present a mirror to the human condition, human folly, and keep people by virtue of doing my job as well as I can do it, keep people, us all engaged in storytelling because it's the way that we sort of subconsciously shape the future. And it's a way that we rebel, albeit subconsciously as well, sometimes against the quandaries or just like, I'm often very upset in a microcosmic way, but I can only control or affect what I can do. So just keep people talking and keep people with great stories like this love, you know, not to sound too Jerry Garcia, but just to keep us seeing that we have more in common than we have less in common mm. as human beings and in keeping the imagination alive. I mean, I love telling my children stories and making up things and they've turned into complete freaks because of it. But <laughs> um, it's fantastic. You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like a little kid a lot of times that I get to do this and be some sort of anchor or some sort of something that some representation of you know, like this has been great about this show is like having the LGTB, LG trans community have a voice in a way in space. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's a new thing. You know, that's something speaking up for parents with, for raising children and, and nerds being specific about my bridge work. I mean, that's, as I'm the guy that's like, he did the same thing when they were like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm watching it all very closely. <laughs> I always pretend that I'm in the audience. So just keeping like the quality of the work as relevant and on a level that is accessible and not elitist. You know, like it's not cheap because the way I learned about all of this was from people who dedicate their lives to this and didn't make a ton of money and they maybe fed their kids or had the struggle. And my wife's dad was an actor and he introduced us and, you know, now he's like 80 something years old and he's retired because he has to, but he's still full of life. Right. So, if I could be that, I mean, there's no retiring. You do it until you can't do it anymore, which means I can't remember my lines. Um, <laughs> and that's a reality. But, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's a sad thing to see people like, I'm just like, oh, man. And, you know, I've had a couple of times where I'm just like, I can't remember my lines. I'm like, is this it? Is this over? Is this, is this <laughs> the end? Um, you know, so that's always a reality. But I just want to tell a good story. Because there's, there's an infinite amount of stories to be told. And I feel like stories are, are what inspire us and make us do better and make us not give up or settle for mediocrity and settle for this is as good as it's going to get, you know, because there's, there's always surprises around the corner. So it's actors, man. We, you know, I mean, poets, I think, have it worse. But, you know, like, <laughs> to get to do our work, there's so many other moving parts to this. You know, producers and whatever. I just like to, you know, just, you just, I just want to do my work and understand, continue to understand and expand my understanding of what my work is, mm -hmm. right? So it's helpful to talk about it, you know, yeah. but I'm, I'm much happier doing it and then talking about it, you know yeah. what I mean? So. <laughs> well, thank you for telling parts of those stories. I really do. I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. 
it's a huge honor for us to be able to sit down with you and we appreciate your work so much. So thank you. I appreciate it as well. And I apologize in advance for what you're about to see uh, in the next few episodes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <so>. no. <laughs> Now I'm nervous. <laughs> oh man, I, I uh, yeah, definitely have some water by you. I was gonna um, say, so. could I get some tissues and put them right next to me? I have a feeling. <laughs> I, don't know that, I don't know that tissue is what you're gonna need. Okay, you might need a spit bucket. Oh <laughs> no! Okay, I'll get all the supplies. <laughs> get ready. Yeah, thank you guys so much. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at KatiePetersPlays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in, in the, the future. future.